Welcome to the GNA Podcast, Games, Nerds, and Alcohol, where I get so lost in a friggin' game that I forget what time it is, and I have people messaging to keep me honest so I can actually record a show tonight. <laughs> and I'm being joined by that good person tonight, Shinzu. How are you feeling, good sir? I'm feeling a little betrayed that you were late, but uh, I'm feeling otherwise pretty good. So late. I was so late. Like, crazy late. Um, thank you for messaging me. I was, uh, if it wasn't obvious, my state of games is going to be me playing Hades because that's what I was playing. I was playing Hades. <laughs> I was cranking away down on that bitch. And, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a super fun game. It's really simple and, you know, it's just a, it's a beat em up game, but it's one of those roguelikes. So the whole point is you're going to die and, the more you die, the more you power up, the more you power up, the easier the game is. And goddamn, that game is just, uh, just took my life. And the thing is, like, the better you get at it, the longer the runs last. So, you know, when you first start playing it, your runs are like five, 10 minutes long. And then as you continue playing it, all of a sudden your, your runs are 30 minutes long or 40 minutes long. And you're like, oh, it's all good and it's all in fun. And next thing you know, it's eight o'clock and you're like, holy crap. So you got that kind of mentality, like I got, I got time for one more. It's, it's a little bit more Hades, it's a tiny bit more Hades. Just a little bit more, just a little bit. You got any more of that Hades hanging around? <laughs> just have to do a little more of that Hades. Don't mind me. Don't mind this. Don't mind this chest scratching. I just need some Hades. Um, but yeah. So uh, I'll just I'll just finish out my state of games quick. I've been. I also tried Resident Evil Four VR on the Oculus. You know. So okay. So here here's the thing. One of the guys that was in, in the uh, Discord a while ago, he's since left. Um, Vintage came in talking about it. And I got to be honest, when he described it, I was very dismissive. You know, like, hey, cool. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, I was I was extremely dismissive. I, I honestly just thought it was a cash grab. I kind of was uh, poo-pooing on Capcom for not spending time making a uh, – you know, making maybe a remake of it or something that I feel would bring more to the table. Um, so I was kind of poo-poo on it, and I I already messaged him, uh, even though he's not he's not talking to me anymore, and that that's fine. But uh, I already messaged him and and told him, you know, gave him a a written apology of, hey, you know what, I was kind of dismissive. Actually, not kind of. I was dismissive of uh, of your opinion there. Kind of thought it was a cash grab. I didn't physically come out and say that, but I was just kind of like, "Hey, grab you, glad you like it," and then kind of you know just really sweeping it under the rug type of thing. But I got to admit, it's really well done. I do think in the uh, in the grand scheme of things, it, just per Capcom, I think it's okay that you were like dismissive because they've done so many bad things lately. Um, if any indication is they're just licensing out their their rights for Resident Evil to anyone who is willing to buy them. I don't know if you've seen, you know, we talked about briefly the, the Netflix uh, version of Resident Evil, which was absolutely horrendous. And then previous to that, the, uh, the movie uh, that happened that was filmed during, I think it was 2020, that came out where it was just, um, I just... Yeah, they hurt people on that one. They filmed that one, and they fucking hurt people. Like, when they filmed that thing, I have no idea how a writer sat down and said, this is how it's going to play out. Because I remember back when you know we were still in high school, uh, that whole trailer idea we had for the Resident Evil 2 movie, like, if we ever decided to actually do it, you pretty much just take what they already gave you. 
um, you know, when you make a game, you have to kind of decide, or when you make a movie, sorry, you have to kind of decide uh, who the main character is going to be, and you can't really split between four or five different people. So I was going to make the movie about more Leon Kennedy and then give Claire Code Veronica. So that way you can really kind of concentrate on on the the main character that I think would have really highlighted that that movie really, really well. Um, and I think that what they did to Claire Redfield in the Welcome to Record City was pretty bad. So, okay. I'm not going to say that everything in Welcome to Raccoon City was top-notch, because it wasn't by far. However, whoever made that movie was obviously trying to give fans, fans of the video game, I'm going to say specifically, fans of the video game, like, some fan service. There were so, like they changed around a whole bunch of little things, and I'm I'm kind of okay with that. So welcome to Raccoon City, and I didn't expect to really jump into this. I kind of we were going to go in another direction, but uh, but I got to jump into this because I actually watched that movie recently. I forgot it existed, and I actually swept it under the rug because I was like, oh, yeah, why the hell am I going to watch another Resident Evil movie? So they took Resident Evil one, two, and three, and like mashed it into one movie, which. I'm kind of okay with. Like, there are little things in there that I'm like, well, I wish they would have extended that out a bit more. Leon Kennedy. Okay, this is where you're going to hate me, and and I'm expecting to, for your friggin your your video to go mute and uh, and to get an angry message later. Leon Kennedy is not a great character in the games. I've hated him ever since I played him in Resident Evil Two. Now, granted, they played him in the the remake of Resident Evil Two. I like him a little bit more. But I feel that the way that they went, especially in Resident Evil 4, where he's like, hey, it's been 70 years, and now I'm a special forces trained person, and I am, you know, it's like, um, dude, you were a freaking rookie who could barely hold your shit together, and now all of a sudden, you're this badass. See, I didn't like what they turned Leon Kennedy into later on in the series, but I love the fact that he was a rookie. First day on the job, like, we've all had a job. Not necessarily that involved us kind of popping in on a zombie apocalypse, but we've all had a job where we've shown up to, and it, you're like first day on the job, and it's utter chaos, and you have no idea what's going on. You're like, holy crap, what do I do? And that's why I really love the character, because every time they have one of these games, it's somebody who's been you know, trained. They're used to these sort of things. They've been in the situation where terrorists are attacking, or this is happening. You have this dude who's like straight out of the academy. He's coming into the town. He's really trying to do the best he can do. But, you know, I, I feel like if they just did him justice as like a character, actually gave him more than like that one dimensional pretty boy character face and gave him some dialogue and some character growth in the movie, he could be a really amazing, interesting character, which is why I'm really hoping, I was really hoping they were going to do that. But they turn him into a lazy himbo who is always napping. And I hated that. So here's the thing. Here's the thing that I actually loved about, I'll say, so now, I've already said I hated Leon's character in the games. I've just I've I've never liked him. I actually liked his character in this because it was a stark contrast from everything you've seen Leon turn into. And he was acting like a rookie. He was acting like that. I have really no clue what I'm doing. Nobody's telling me what to do. Everybody in this town is pretty much going nuts. And then what I dug a lot was his character growth because somewhere about somewhere just as scene two or act two started, all of a sudden he he gained a spine, and it's like all right, well now he's actually turning into like okay, so the 
they rushed it. Like, they could have made that movie about an hour longer, in my opinion, and spent a little more time on things. So they rushed his character development. But they actually had a character development from a lazy, I'm listening to music as there's a fucking tractor trailer exploding in front. All right? Yeah, that right there? Like, How that do you right sleep there. through that, though? Like, bam, explosion. And he's just sitting there listening to his music, all like, whatever. And then the dude walks in. On fire. On fire. <laughs> and he's still not paying attention. And then finally he's like, oh, I smell barbecue and wakes up. No, see, and that's why I loved it because that's not the Leon that you see in the video games. And I love that they made it so, like, he was a rookie. So, like, even when you start off in Resident Evil 2, the game, he's, like, he's not a rookie. He's running around. He's a fucking crack shot. He's, like, he's not a rookie. He's not acting like a rookie. He's not talking like a rookie. He's like getting headshots first time out of the gate. And it's like, uh, brah, that doesn't work. I think that really depends on the player because I definitely wasn't a crack shot when I was playing Leon. I, I missed a lot when I first started playing that game. Uh, I'm just talking about the FMVs. Like it starts off, Claire's like, ah, and he's like, get down. He She drops, bam, plugs a guy right in the dome. I mean that's fair, but he does he does uh, he does miss a couple other shots. But I I really do I really do enjoy the video game Leon over the movie. And I'm going to be really honest. I never finished the movie. I couldn't get past like 15 20 minutes. And I had my I had my girlfriend with me too, and she likes Hallmark movies. Like she can watch like the crappies of the crappy movies, and then like 15 minutes in, she's just like. No, I, I, I can't, I can't. Her main beef though wasn't Leon. Her main beef was the fact that they did destroy Claire Redfield. Like they took Claire Redfield and her brother Chris and that relationship they had, and they completely did disservice to that one. It was such so, a mess. So they okay, they did change around a bunch of stuff in this movie, and as I said, there's a lot of it I'm okay with. Some of it I'm not. Claire and Chris's relationship, like, as I said, they were trying to cram three different games into this movie. And they even had a a little touch of Code Veronica in there. And that's why I say, like, if you haven't watched, if you haven't watched it to its completion, granted, okay, I love bad movies. So I forgot to say that when I started off. This is not a great movie. This is not a winning, like, Academy Award friggin' movie. This is a terrible movie. However, all the little nods that they do to the video game, like, okay. Okay, so if you got 15 minutes in, then you saw where they made the reference to a Jill sandwich. And you remember that reference that Barry made back in the first game when the ceiling came down and almost crushed her? Like, all these little nods back to the game. Somebody literally, all, I swear to God, all they must have done was went through and went, all right, let's take all these really little lame things out of the game and let's put them in a movie. And they looked at him and went, well, we'd have to be in a mansion for that. Like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Like, but we'd also have to have, like, a truck driver crashing his truck to do that like yeah let's do that like but there were two different games i don't care let's do that 
Like, I that's just in my mind's eye, that's what I saw. Yeah, basically what they did was they probably had a Reddit MAA and were like, what do people want to see in a Resident Evil movie? And they're like, oh, Jill Sandwich, all this other stuff. But like, I, I would have preferred it if they were going to make a Resident Evil movie, if they would have started off with Resident Evil 2, like the actual events of Resident Evil 2, and then they would have went back and did like a six-part miniseries for the very first version because there's so much information in the first game that I think it'd be better suited for a miniseries uh, rather than an actual movie. And then I think Resident Evil 3 would have been a fantastic movie as well. It kind of shows what happens to Jill Valentine. And then they can kind of skip until they hit Code Veronica. And they don't have to go to the Resident Evil game that took place on the ships that was like the Game Boy game. Like, they could skip that one entirely. But... uh, See, and, and that's... I loved, like, there were so many nods in the movie. And like... I, as I said, I'm okay with how they compressed three, three plus three point one games into a single movie. Like they gave Wesker, like they changed around a bunch of characters, but still kept them kind of in that same feel. Like one thing that was really bugging me, and I'll, I'll grab you in a second. The one thing that really bugged me is when they went to the mansion and they first did that flyby into the mansion. Like I loved how all of a sudden. It were the it was the events of Resident Evil One and Resident Evil Two happening simultaneously because that's one thing that in the games always bugged me that Resident Evil One happened these guys came back from this mansion and then everybody's like oh it was nothing bad really and then all of a sudden the town gets taken over by zombies I mean those two events really should have happened at the same time like they're going to check this off as the as the the town is like falling under chaos. And that's what they did in this movie, and that was one of the things I loved. I want, I want to touch on that point, but I want to go back a little bit, and I, I want to say, like, I think we could all just agree that if they ever redo these things, please stop making Wesker wear sunglasses all the fucking time. Make him an actual character instead of like, oh yeah, there is the bad guy right there every time. You've got to watch every the movie. time. You've got to watch the movie because that because he, oh, he doesn't wear glasses. He does not wear sunglasses the entire but, like, movie. In the, in, the, in the new thing, and he the minute he turns like super bad in the, in the new series, he puts his glasses on, and you're like, okay, whatever. But um, one thing about the, the the events that happened in Resident Evil, the original timeline was that Resident Evil One happened, and it was like a month afterwards. That's when the next apocalypse happened. Like it was the the mansion happened, and they had some dogs, and you had like one or two stray zombies that got out. But it was really the events of you know William Birkin's death and him spreading the G virus in the sewer to the rats that really caused the secondary outbreak. And Umbrella was in the process of containing the outbreak that occurred at the in the Arclay Mountains. But when the other one happened, it was like, oh, crap, oh, we can't deal with this both. Um, and then they just nuke the city. <laughs> just nuke it. Well, that, but the, but that's the thing that in, in the first Resident Evil, they talk about hikers and stuff being attacked. And then the Bravo team was going out doing a search. They found the mansion. They crashed. But at the same time, it's like one of those, if you take a look at how the, how the, the disease would have traveled, by the time hikers were being infected – and whatnot, those rats would have already come in with the T-virus and started to make their way through the city. So you would have already started to see some sort of infestation in the city. Maybe. It really would depend on how active the hikers were. Also, it would have also de- would have also, also depended upon like how much damage their bodies occurred through the attacks. Because remember, it was the dogs, the crows. And I don't think they crashed. I think the crows ultimately did them in in the the thing. I think they circled the. I think the the writing was that they circled the chopper and they got inside the engine and forced it to land, and then they all left. Uh, do you remember the remake? 
Oh, Resident Evil and Resident Evil Zero? Yeah, Resident Evil, yeah, Resident Evil remake where they actually showed what happened. Like the guy was fiddling around trying to figure out why his uh why his helicopter went down and then the doggos got him. Vaguely. And uh yeah, and it was it was basically the you couldn't leave the mansion because there was like a pack of uh, of the Doberman pinchers on the outside. So if you left, you'd have been, you would have gotten chomped on. And but they all stuck really close, and it takes time. And the they were, the mansion was really out there, and it was one of those things where it was so far off the trail that only like a few hikers could potentially get there. And any times you'd have something wadding around like that, I don't know if it would spread that fast. So that's also something else I want to point out is that. The mansion being that far out there that – I mean, there's got to be serviceable roads to it. There has to be. Like, you you don't have that big of a building. No, like, if you think about this logically, you can't have that big of a building with that much stuff in it without some sort of serviceable road to it. I think there was an explanation in the game, though. Like when they actually built it up, they had a service road. But then after the service road was, uh, after the mansion was built and they had a helipad, the service road was then discontinued and just basically left to overgrown. So it was more like a hiking trail at that point in time. So there is a road there, but it's really overgrown. And they just really use helicopters to get in and out of, of this facility. But that would still not explain. So even if it being that far back there with that service road, that would still not explain how events happening at the mansion because that mansion was way far gone because you got to keep in mind that mansion was populated it wasn't exactly like there was only like a couple of people there that mansion was over top of a laboratory that that mansion was populated so when they get there that manage it that mansion is in full freaking i'm done mode there's already things breaking out, making it into local, and I can guarantee you, no matter how good Umbrella thought that they were, there were things making out. So that's why the the events of the movie where they're compressing everything happening simultaneously, the basically the, the events of Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 1 are kind of like coinciding. You know, the basically basically they went off, like they heard they went, oh hey, we're gonna go check out Bravo Team. They went off to find Bravo Team. And they're in the mansion at simultaneously the, the village or the, the town, the city of Raccoon or Raccoon City is literally starting to fall. Like they're, the people are starting to riot and zombies are outbreaking. So by the time they get back, it's like, Oh shit. Like it's, it's a full on outbreak. I think um, overall, like if somebody ever went back and like redid it and wanted to do justice, I think the events should be very close together. Absolutely. Um, But I also think that, you know, they need to take into account that the Arclay facility was always meant to like everyone always asks, like, why did they build this in the middle of the forest? Why did they build it in the middle of Antarctica, like what they did with Cor Veronica's place? And it was because they hinted that the Arclay facility was always meant to distribute the virus. Uh, but it was falling into disrepair, and the the facility itself was understaffed, surprisingly enough, and the workers were working way more hours, which is why one of them went insane and broke the tank, which then released the shark. And that's when a lot of the other issues happened, too. Uh, so that was something else. I'm sorry. You reminded me of uh, of, of the of the the guys going insane. So one thing that they never did, and there were so many nods in this movie to the games. Like for instance, the truck driver driving where he grabs a sandwich off his dashboard and he eats it. Um, and he hits the woman. Like they changed that around a little bit, but that the, those whole events still happened like from Resident Evil two. But the one thing that they had in there that I smiled so hardcore at itchy, tasty. 
Do you remember that? I saw the clip of that and I oh, hated dude, it. Oh, dude, that that they I that they it. did it though. Like no, in no other movie did they ever incorporate that. And the yeah, but it was so like it was so poorly done. Like this script was probably written by the same people that wrote Thanks Killing. That's how bad it was. Oh, the script was terrible. But come on, that, that they had so many nods to the first to the first few games, like they had um like the, so they killed Chicken Heart Vickers differently, which I'm okay with because I never really liked Chicken Heart Vickers, and I didn't like that he made it back and he was in Resident Evil Three and Nemesis comes and like infects him and then he turns into a zombie that's chasing after you. It was that always felt to me like ah. The one thing I really and I'll agree with you, like I didn't I didn't like the fact that he makes it back, but I honestly think that that's more realistic than him getting what he would justly deserve. But in the third movie or the third game, the one thing I never understood was that in the cutscene, the nemesis stabs him like in the back of the head through his mouth, exactly, which would have destroyed his brainstem, so exactly. he wouldn't have been able to come back as a zombie. But it, I love the fan service that the movie gave you because it was good. When I heard the chill sandwich, I did the I did the whole uh, Captain America thing. I understood that reference. I got that reference. Dude, there were so many times. And and like, I like the fan service they gave it, but like overall, like it was, it was the movie was literally patched together in the middle of a pandemic and shot in front of everything was in front of a green screen. There wasn't like a single like actual like set oh, piece yeah. there, and it was it was just done because they're like, hey, we can probably make the money off this movie because no one can go see a movie in theaters. Let's just create this movie as cheaply as possible and then have it on whatever streaming service is gonna let us sell it, which was like HBO Max, and they were hard pushing that like on facebook twitter there were ads for it like every five like every five scrolls there was an ad or some sort of video for it i was like this is going to be bad going to be awful so so i i mean i give the movie like probably a five or a six just just because it had so many fan service references in it um like they even had the scene okay you know the scene where you walk in as either Jill or Chris, doesn't matter. The first game, you walk in, you go, you go past the long dining room table with a clock on the wall and the fireplace. You go in the door and you find Kenneth on the ground there being munched on by a zombie. They had that scene, and I like they actually did that scene the way I wanted to see it in a real movie. The I I don't think they did the scene very well at all. Like I I agree that it was there. But like when the dude turns, his eyes have those color contacts in, and that wasn't the that wasn't the, how it was supposed to be. He has that like weird I don't know it was like that bluish, like speckled contact lens in. And the thing that always terrified me, like in the game, when the zombie turned, his eyes were like that white color, that milky color that happens after like you die, like your eyes kind of start to oh they the kind of ca- yeah across. the cataract stuff yeah the thing, cataract yeah. stuff, and that's that's terrifying. I mean, how terrifying would it be? If in a movie or a show, you're perched up above something, and in the middle of the night, you hear the zombies turn on a flashlight and just see a bunch of white eyes and a bunch of, like, just basically how shark membranes, you know, they, their eyes go white, and that thing, that also terrifies the crap out of me. Whenever I see that, I'm like, oh, God, that's awful. But that's what I find scary. Like, when I see a zombie coming at me in a video game or a movie, and they have those color contacts, I'm like, come on, that looks ridiculous. Like, if it's on a if it's on a tyrant, if it's on something that happens to be a little bit higher echelon, fantastic. But you know what they didn't have that I saw in the uh, in the recaps of the Welcome to Raccoon City? They didn't have the redheads. No, they didn't have the crimson heads. Yeah, and that was disappointing as hell. They hinted at it, though. 
Because the one zombie that they came out that went after him had like red stringy hair and was running real fast. And I'm like, is that supposed to be a redhead? Well, red stringy hair doesn't necessarily mean it. Like, uh, like the whole thing about the redheads was that like there was a percentage chance that if somebody got infected with the T virus, they could become a liquor. That was like the first step to becoming a liquor. Yeah, because uh, they I took got it longer claws and. Yeah, they took it a little further in the video games where if you didn't burn a corpse, they immediately came back as a liquor. But like, it was a percentage chance. You had like a, a 20% chance of becoming a liquor. There was a 1% chance that you would have uh, the genetics that allow you to become a tyrant, which is why they were so rare and so expensive to make. But the G-Virus allowed for a more reliable mutation. But the problem with the G-Virus is that the more damage the cells occurred and the more rapidly they had to repair themselves over time, the bigger and larger chance there was for just absolutely generic just out of control mutation which is why you end up with a pizza monster very quickly see i gotta go back and look at the eyes again because the thing that i distinctly remember the part that i loved about it was you know he did they did the head turn they had the like the mouth all like the lips gone like it was chewing on something the blood come from it now i will say i did not like how they digitized a lot of the blood in it that's the one thing i would have liked practical effects there but that's just because i like practical effects um, but when he turned his head and when he got up and they started blasting him, they did the normal thing, which is, well, I'm going to do center mass. So they pop, pop, pop in the head and the chest. And then it like still starts coming out and they're like, uh oh, like they reacted like, oh shit, this, that didn't work. That dude just took, that dude just took him to the chest and he's still coming at me. Um, the, the thing that they did with Wesker playing the music on the piano instead of the moonlight sonata instead of Jill. I, you know, I, I would have liked more there because it was more of a, like, just, it seemed more kind of forced of, oh, yeah, I'm just going to start doing this because I know what I'm doing. But they never really explained any part of that. I also liked, one thing I did like is that they made Wesker in this, instead of being, instead of being like what they turned him into, where he was a, you know, he, he was like one of the scientists and he was like one of the, t- one of the guys, they just kind of made him more of a paid off mercenary. You know, and he's like, hey, look, I'm making money. That's what this is all about. I'm making money. Oh, you got a picture of it? Yeah, so I sent you the sent you the, the picture, and, like, his face is all, like, decrepit and gross, and he has, like, the, the blood on him and everything, and it looks great. Like, if they made his skin just a little bit more pale, a little bit more grayish, but I his see, eyes will, his eyes bother the hell out of me, I because see, that is not what their eyes would look like. I see the eye thing, and I guess the eyes didn't bother me so much, because the thing that stuck out to me from that original like like 1995 game or whatever was just that his entire skin was like white and ashy his his mouth was pretty much ripped up and gone and he just had this like like turnaround look and i just i thought that they nailed that over the shoulder especially when you see the body like twitching in the background i just really felt that they nailed that over the shoulder turn as he did it See, in that regards, I will agree with you. Like when up leading up to that moment when I, I saw the YouTube clip, uh, I saw the sorry, I saw the, that short bit on YouTube. Um, that got me excited because I was like, "This is great." But the minute he turned the head, I'm like, "That they're just going to throw contacts like they did." And uh, the other thing too, though, that's the that's the itchy tasty dude. That's the dude that got the other guy infected too. No, that's um, not the itchy tasty guy. The itchy tasty guy, if you remember, no, 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 he's not the itchy tasty guy. This is the guy that got the itchy tasty infected. Or he's one of the people that caused it, apparently. 
So uh, there's like inside lore, like all the zombies mm-hmm. that are in the thing, like the very first one you run into, that was a person who had such a key player uh, because that's why he's just kind of out and about in, the, in just the generalized area was apparently because he had more to do with what was going on. And it was just really interesting to see um, in the movie or at least, you know, in the movie, what they tried to do with it, and they tried to make the characters, and I also don't like how, and was it the, the original the original Evil one with Mila mm-hmm. Jodovich, uh, where they, they, like, howled or screamed when they died? I was like, that's dumb. I always thought that, like, when they died, that, like, the whole gasping, that was, that was, that was creepy. Well, yeah, because, because they're already I would dead. imagine, like, when you're a Kenneth... Yeah, absolutely. But imagine like Kenneth, like that's if you were ever to have like run into somebody, like you run into a zombie, you're not initially going to assume that they're person, like they're undead. Yeah. So you're gonna you're in the facility, you're there for a rescue mission, and that's why I felt I liked Kenneth and I felt bad for Kenneth as well because the poor dude wasn't trained for this thing. Goes like, "Hey, how can I help you?" and then gets completely chewed upon. Yeah, he just walks up and, and he's dies. like, "Hey, are you okay?" Yeah. And then just throat, and that's the the Resident Evil remake. Um, I think was for the GameCube, right? Where they did the re-read yeah. Resident Evil One. Yep. Yeah, like that was really well done. Like they literally go in there like seconds after it happened, and then they shoot the guy. One thing I don't like is that they keep shooting the zombie in the game, right? And then they, they turn around, the zombie opens and closes the door. I'm like, they know how to open doors. Like, what the hell's going on? Oh, crap, right they now? figured out how to open doors. Oh god, we're all screwed. Uh, the other thing, too, I really wish they would have done in the movie um, that they didn't do, uh, or from what I've seen or what I've heard, was that uh, when you know in the games, you have to go around, you have to find all the puzzle pieces to unlock the doors and all those other things. Yeah. Well, that was always that was always done because uh, when the facility went down to lockdown mode, the key card readers no longer worked. That got disabled. So you had to have the keys that were distributed upon. You had to have all those things. That explains why you had to kind of run around everywhere. I would have loved it if they said, no, we're not going to do this. And they just smashed the glass and that would have activated a trap that basically said like, okay, we have to do something along those lines because if we don't do it, it's going to cause additional problems. Also, were the crows in the movie? I don't remember yes. if like the crow scene. There were crows in the like, movie. Like, where they go outside and there were yeah, crows? they did find crows. In fact, during the one of the opening scenes where they're in the restaurant where you first meet Jill and Wesker and all them, a bird actually smacks against the window and dies. And they find a bird later that's all, like, busted up and, and grossed and, and pretty bad. So, it looks like they combined the, the crows slamming the glass like the Doberman hitting the glass too um in the in the game when we go down the hallway the the dog hits the glass but doesn't go quite yeah. go through and then later on yeah another thing did they have to do the clock tower please somebody did the clock tower oh in resident evil 2 it wouldn't be yeah that wouldn't be funny if no so they didn't had. have the tyrant in this one at all so that's the only disappointing that's part is that they did but again i'm okay with it because the tyrant is supposed to be the pinnacle of like this like this massive like it's supposed to be the pinnacle of their bioweapons for them not to show up i'm okay with it because i would expect that you would see them in the next movie saying that they made another movie i doubt that they will but if they made another one one thing i want to highlight though there's not going to be another one honestly with the amount of fan service (laughs) that they did i would love to see what they tried to do but the one thing, and I don't give a shit what you say, I'm going to call you a friggin' liar, how they did the lobby for the RPD, that looked great. When you first see it, where Leon comes in, oh, no, it I'll agree with you. It, it looks fantastic. It, 
looks great. I just, uh, you know what they were also missing? They were missing that uh, that dude that welcomes Leon into the police station for the first time. That really yeah. cool dude who unfortunately dies. I would have loved to have seen him in there, and I didn't want to see him die at this time around. I thought he should have been, you know, he should have basically made it a little bit longer, had, had more to contribute. But it was kind of also like a startling moment where, like, you're not really sure what happened to him in the games, and you come back to him, like, 20 minutes later, he stands up, and he's like, I'm going to get yeah. you now. Yeah, so, like, in the first Resident Evil 2, that was placed off by the detective off in one of those hallways. But then in the remake, they actually made it a guy that, like, shows up and, get, like, shows you the rope, and he's all wounded and stuff. I don't know, man. Like, there, there was a lot of great fan service in this movie, and, like, just for that fact... I enjoyed it, but I do enjoy bad movies. So I will say um, that the movie was uh, owned by stars, so which is funny to me. So, uh, yeah, so like the Stars Entertainment Channel apparently is what made uh, Recon- Welcome to Raccoon City for twenty five million USD was the budget, and taking to the fact that it was twenty five million USD. I mean, I, I should give it a lot less crap than I have been giving it, but I will say if you enjoy really crappy movies, like if you enjoy, if you watch the Velocity, you know, Pastor or Lamageddon and you thought those movies were a laugh riot, you probably will like Resident Evil. I've just if I if I didn't have the history I have with that franchise and how how great that franchise could be if they just stop retconning stuff and they just stop saying more power and now we're gonna have Leon Kennedy fight forty liquors at once and he's gonna have a toothpick to defend himself and all this other stuff like it could be an actual like terrifying notion like it was one of the first games I played as a as a as a mm. child where that truly terrified me like I legit had nightmares after playing Resident Evil like absolutely horrific nightmares because of that game and it was wonderful like i play that game in the middle of the night and like something would fall downstairs like the dog would knock something over and i'd be like man they're coming to get me oh so my I th- god i think that also makes i think because you have such a, a beloved childhood memory of it it also makes you incredibly critical of anything that could possibly come out oh absolutely it's like near and dear to my it's basically like um I decided to do a live ad, uh, live ad- adaptation of Final Fantasy VII. Oof, you know, and they decided that, uh, yeah, and they decided that they were going to basically swap everything around, and it wouldn't make it wouldn't make it wouldn't make microbrew games very happy at all. I <laughs> no. know that for a fact, and I, I think that you itself would basically be like, oh god, you know, if they you know they cast, uh, you know, Sephiroth as uh, you know basically that. Eminem looking guy from the Lord of the Rings movie that's coming out on Amazon Prime or something on those lines, it wouldn't make you very happy, like if they change those things around. So like I think that goes to basically for anyone that if someone has like a, a very big love for a particular uh series because that's kind of what they grew up on, they're gonna judge it harshly, which is why I think that a company that decides to lease, license, purchase, or create something on that platform needs to have that into consideration. Because Raccoon City, Resident Evil has a very large following mm. and a lot of people expect a lot of things it's like when disney got you know star wars everyone's like you 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 better do this justice and then that's when they crapped all over uh a segment or a, what people assumed that they did people did not like what they did with uh with the with the newest releases and i don't want to talk about that but it is very controversial the last two movies specifically uh a lot of people don't like the fact that they didn't do mm. them justice or they assume they didn't because they grew up with the beloved franchise and they wanted to see certain things. They had sort of an expectation and 
it's really weird to me that like you have a map of events that occurs, right? And they basically have a working script in the form of a game. And they didn't use that at all. They just said, we're going to do our own thing, which isn't inherently a bad thing. But then they try the fan service and they try to do their own thing. And it turns out it doesn't go so well. Well, you know, okay. you, you, I want to ask this question just because you just because something that you just said there, if they had actually just made resident evil, but they just used <clears throat> all the script from the game. Like they literally just made a live action version of the game. I think it's a catch 22 because I don't know that people would go out there and be very supportive of it because the, okay, look, I agree with you. The lore of resident evil is fantastic. But as human beings, we fill in a lot of blanks that they leave. And the writing for Resident Evil, the game, even the remake, the writing is not good. It's it's adequate at best. But that gives them the opportunity to prove it to a certain point. But like I think all they really need to do is just hit the high points, you know, hit the beginning portion of when, you know, Leanne comes around the corner in his Jeep, he gets out, and then he runs into Claire. Then you can then you can basically kind of fall through those events a bit after that. Him entering uh the police precinct, and which is a great shot in the in the in the welcome to Raccoon City as well, as well as in the game, you know, you enter this police station, which is normally bustling and hustling and it's gorgeous. It's great, but it's eerily quiet and eerily empty. And then you enter the room where it has like welcome Leon and like across the banners in the top. And there's like nothing there, but you can hear the moans of the zombie across the way. You're like, Holy crap, this is not good. Um, what the heck happened here? And they just need to hit the high points. And I also think they need to have, you know, Mr. X needs to be in it. Like, he's such a large portion of not only the first, but also the second game. Uh, like, he wasn't inherently in it in the first game, but he definitely was talked about in the first game, specifically the remake, too. And he was also, like, a large part, like, the scariest parts of Resident Evil 2 in that game, in my opinion, was Mr. X. And when they redid the remake of uh, the most recent remake of Resident Evil 2, I think they, they just added him too much into that because that was like the big thing people were missing from a lot of the movie adaptations, shows adaptations, like where the heck is Mr. X? Why isn't he in this? So they're like, oh, we'll give you a game now that has him in it like 90% of the time, which at first was terrifying. And then the more you play the game, the more you realize it's kind of annoying. I want to explore the the umbrella. I want to get into the lore a bit more, but I hear you know heavy footsteps, so I got to run. Hide in one room he can't enter because of plot armor, and then he just kind of wanders away. You're like, that's cool. That's all That's all nice and dandy, but I think just hitting the high marks are like the most important plot points for the games, and just using everything like outside of that as like a basic roadmap would service them much better than what they have been producing, because they're literally just taking either a script that they had and just throwing in a shotgun and just launching it out. Like the first movie with, with Mia Jonovich, I think they did a good job with that. I think that was probably the best adaptation we were going to get uh, in terms of Resident Evil, which it wasn't that great a Resident Evil movie, but it was a good movie. And I love the fact that um, that they added a bunch of fan service into that. Well, like the liquor coming from the ceiling, looking down at them, like they had a bunch of fan service in that one as well. But after that, it was like all downhill. See, and that's, that's one of the reasons I think why I liked this Welcome to Raccoon City, because they took the first three games 
and they really only touched on the high points. Like they didn't focus on every little minute detail. And again, I'm okay with Mr. X not being in there because I didn't, I, I honestly, I didn't like Mr. X. Mr. X was a plot point for the Birkin family for why you're chasing down the daughter, but they really kept the daughter almost like out of this movie. Like, like she was there, but she wasn't really there. Wasn't Mr. X also um, not? He was he was put in there to also kill all the remaining policemen too, right? Like he was there specifically to eliminate certain individuals. He wasn't he wasn't just there to capture, you know, Sherry. I don't think he was even there to capture Sherry. You know, William Birkin was going after Sherry, but I don't think Mr. X was really wanting to go after Sherry. I think his job was to basically clear a bunch of stuff out, including like the liquors and things of that nature. And technically, he was supposed to make way for um, what was the Hunk? what was the name of the unit? The Bravo unit was it? Nah, the one that Hunk was part of, right? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Hunk. Yeah, the, to make room for Hunk so he could retrieve the G uh, G virus samples. I honestly so- like. I'm really fuzzy on the details of Mr. X. Yeah, I thought Mr. X, because Mr. X kept following the second character, whoever you played as, the second disc, played as the second character, but you, he kept following them because you were dealing with the, with the daughter. So well, I think I, ultimately the daughter was, was basically going to be the, the avenue to get to the G virus sample to William Birkin as well. So I think that was kind of like the, the point that they were going to go for, but I don't think he inherently was going after Sherry. I think it was either, if like the wife was around, he would also go after the wife or if he found William Birkin. I'd have to check it again too. But like, I just remember just seeing, you know, you're in the hallway, he just drops to that ceiling and you're like, okay. And then you put him down or you run away one of the two. And the minute you're out of his sight, he kind of just turns around and goes, all right, well, I have bigger fish to fry. But then as you're up, you know, you're, you're in the bell tower, for example, and you just see his large hand just grab onto that ledge. You poop yourself. You know, you put the cog in the wall and he busts through the wall. You poop yourself. But and again, you leave. I, I, I really think that leaving him out of this because they were compressing the timelines of everything happening so quickly and simultaneously. So I like that they left him out because – in, in like in the first to second game, it works because the timeline makes it work. In the first game, you fight the tyrant, which is basically Mr. X, but it's like their first version of it. The second game, Mr. X is being sent there because he's the, 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 whatever you want to say, the refined version of the tyrant. So in that, the timeline works. But in this movie, I don't think the timeline works nearly as much because they compress everything down, which, I got to keep saying, I really liked that they did that because it really felt like there wouldn't have been that much time. And that just for, for plot points in the games, if that Bravo team or that Alpha team came back at all and they were like, oh, my God, there's zombie like people would have enough people would have listened even back in the 90s. You know, I'll give you that that the movie isn't the worst Resident Evil adaptation I've seen. Probably the later versions uh, of Resident Evil, I think it was like Resident Evil 6, Retribution, or something like that. That was, without a doubt, the absolute worst thing I've ever seen put to cinema. Oh, everything past the first one. Yeah, so bad. Everything past the first one. You made a good point. They did, they did try to compress 
a lot of Resident Evil into a single movie. So it would have been interesting to see if they had just decided to tackle and maybe just push two and three together and leave one out of it entirely and then move on. So I think it would be really interesting to see what's happening because uh, I've just read this article here that says that Stars isn't ruling out a potential sequel to Welcome to Raccoon City either. So you well, could see something in the future. Made, that they made, so the budget was 25 mil, right? So they made right. 1.7 times their budget. And I think yeah, and two times sequel. the budget is normally the like that sequel territory. Yeah, it's sequel territory right there. And it's you know, we were all trapped inside and we were all hopeful for a good movie and a lot of people were disappointed, some people were not. Uh, according to Rotten Tomatoes, thirty one percent of the people enjoyed the movie, which fantastic. If you were uh enjoyed the movie, that's fantastic, that's good for you. It wasn't for me. I'm not saying that if you liked it you're you don't know what you're talking about. I'm just saying personally, I just I just found it lacking. But it would have been interesting now that you brought up a good point that they did compress a lot into the movie. So it would have been interesting to see if they had kind of like expanded it out a bit more. Um, there's definitely contention that I have specifically was like in the very beginning of the game where like, you know, I'm sorry, that game movie where like Claire was talking to her brother and there was that neighbor across the road that was like writing out on her window. And I'm like, if you're infected, yeah. you really wouldn't do that. It was clear that she was already a zombie and I'm like, you wouldn't be able to do that. Um, I think it would have been even better if like um, she looked across the road and she was sitting there and like her daughter came out of nowhere, her son came out of nowhere and just tackled her and started like chewing on her and stuff. And she was like, what's happening? And that's exactly like it kicked off and it would have been, you know, bam, 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 led into everything else. But we'll see what happens. If they make a sequel, maybe they would have had lessons learned from this particular one. Hmm. Um, we'll see how well it does now, especially since that no one's trapped inside. People can go out and do, do things. Um, so who knows what will happen? Maybe they'll take it a little bit more seriously. Well, that's – so something that you actually pointed out there, something that I uh, – another thing that – and I keep finding things that I enjoyed out of the movie. Granted, again, now I want to point out to anybody listening, it is a bad movie. I am a lover of bad movies. <laughs> Okay, let's put that out there. I want to keep saying that as a disclaimer. But you actually pointed out something that they didn't touch in, in like any other movie, at least none of the Resident Evil movies that I can recall, of where they had a person transitioning into a zombie. And that person that you're talking about, the neighbor writing on the thing, where they're like, oh, well, she's obviously a zombie. I didn't take that as she was obviously a zombie. I took it as she was starting to do that transition. And when she wrote the itchy tasty and on the window, I'm like, holy crap, this is where they're like, she's finally flipping out. See, I would have normally said I agree to you, but the contact she was wearing said that she flipped. And that's why I hate the contacts because that's such a great thing and uh i think i can't remember the name of it. there is a zombie show on netflix that has like two seasons to it and they actually did it right so you don't have weird these weird color contacts in so in the beginning when the outbreak first started they identified that people were running at you and you didn't know whether or not they were just running from something. They were running at you to eat you. You had no idea. Their eyes were perfectly normal. But as the show progresses and people who were normal were like fewer and fewer and fewer and their eyes started getting milky, you're like, oh, they're a zombie. I can tell that right away. But then like it was always that terrifying part where you found this one person whose eyes weren't completely milky. You're like, are they, aren't they? Like that's terrifying. Like I'm going to either shoot this person because I think they're a zombie, but if they're not a zombie, I'm murdering somebody. And that that conundrum, I think they were missing within Raccoon City. You know, like with Leon Kennedy, for example, in the games, he's out there in the middle of nowhere. This uh, woman on the ground tries to bite him in the foot, 
tries to shake her off, can't shake her off, eventually, you know, eventually shoots her. But then he points his gun up and there's all these other people. Some of them look really, really torn and ragged. Others look fairly normal and their eyes are normal, but all the ones that look like they've been through heck and have been obviously dead for a while, their eyes are milked over, but the other ones are not. And that right there is like, oh my God, what's real, what's not? Who is a zombie? Who's not a zombie? What the hell's happening? And I think they missed they missed that mark a bit. And I'm kind of saddened by that. So I actually got to go back and, and I'm going like, I, I think you're being a little bit too critical on the eye thing. Cause the eye thing is a bit of a cosmetic, like you could really go any which way you could go like eyes go completely black. But I mean, I think you're being a little critical there, but, but you keep mentioning it, which makes me want to go back and really take a look at their eyes because like that chick that was writing itchy tasty, I don't remember looking at her eyes or honestly to, to me, her eyes looked normal. And I want to say, like, when I saw it, I'm like, oh, this is just a normal chick. She's gone crazy. And then when she's, like, writing Itchy Tasty, I'm like, oh, no, she's a zombie. She's actually a zombie. She's going to, like, come through and, like, try to to eat their face. And then, of course, she did bust her and try to eat their face. But I was like, oh, wow. That, that, I didn't expect that. But I got, I got to look back into, now, now I got to go back and watch it just simply to look at their eyes. I know you had a disclaimer uh, of that you like terrible movies. I also should come with a disclaimer. I'm a really harsh critic on things. Like I really do tear things apart, and I will like analyze like the smallest details and judge and judge things on that. So everything I'm saying in terms of like I don't like this X Y and B is literally because like I hold Resident Evil as like one of my all time favorites. Um, IP IPs. I love Resident Evil. I love everything about it. Um, I love specifically the original. I love Resident Evil Zero, One, Two, and I love Three. I love Code Veronica. Uh, Resident Evil, you know, the GameCube version of Resident Evil Four. I enjoyed it, but it, for me, that wasn't a Resident Evil game itself. Um, after that, Resident Evil Five and Resident Evil Six, uh, I disown entirely. You know, I, I draw the line at punching boulders. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. I, Resident I draw Evil the Five line. and Six. That's they so, were. Oof. Yeah, they were problematic for sure. But um, I am a really harsh critic. So, you know, take whatever thing I say, maybe balance it with Cecil says, because together I think we make a pretty good um, like determination on, on how good things like this is definitely like a middle of the ground sort of situation where they tried. And I think they missed the mark. Cecil says, you know, he liked it more or less. And I think between the two of us, you can pretty much make it part as a eh, it's an all right thing. <laughs> Well, I know you pick, you make some really great points. You really do. And like, I wouldn't like the, I think I was more focused on the fan service portion of it. Just that like in every resident evil, actually in every resident evil, except for the first game, we never got itchy tasty. And I don't know why that sticks with me so much, but I think actually I know why it sticks with me so much because playing the first game where you're reading that diary and you're literally reading somebody's descent into becoming a zombie. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you never, you never get that in like, that was like, that was a hundred percent like the shining, you know, no beer or not no beer, no TV. I almost did the friggin' Homer version of it. No, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. I went straight to the friggin' Simpsons portion, but like it was that portion where. Like you saw that descent into becoming a zombie. And I think that was the most terrifying because at the end, it just turns into, you know, like it's literally, what was the guy saying? He was like, he's like, I didn't like his face. So I ate it itchy. 
tasty. And then that's like the only thing it boils down to is just itchy tasty. He stole it. That was my favorite line of the whole thing where he just, he just read his face was ugly. So I ate it. I'm like, God damn. Right. Right. <laughs> and that's like, and that's what, that was one of the things that, again, I don't think we've ever seen in any of the Resident Evil adaptations anywhere other than the first game. Was that itchy, tasty, that descent into, I'm turning into a zombie. And there hasn't been. This is the first time they approached it. Um, I, I will appreciate the fact they did it, but I also say that I miss the fact that a jump scare wasn't followed immediately afterwards, because that is its MO. You know, you read it and you turn, you close it, you turn around, the dude busted out of, of the, the armoire there and was like, I'm gonna get you. Well, they did it in the movie. Did they, they? They did it by, she wrote, yeah, so she wrote itchy, tasty, and then it looks like she walks away and you're like... Well, that was friggin' weird. Then all of a sudden, bam! Like, she's jumping through the window and on top of her trying to kill her. And it's like, holy crap! And she's screaming, oh, yeah, itchy, tasty. I oh, I didn't like her. that. Yeah, I didn't like how they... Yeah, I didn't like how they did... They, she screamed, itchy, well, so, tasty. Like, that, that was like... That was... I, I, I gave my... Suspended my disbelief on that because it's like, that's the last thing going through her head. And not like... As you start to descend into becoming a zombie, it's not like all of a sudden your vocal cords go, hey, I no longer work. Anything left in the brain is still going to work. So, like, if the last thing she's remembering is itchy, tasty, of course, that's the only thing she's going to scream. And I'm like, okay, I'll suspend my disbelief on that. Just enough to say that would be what they screamed. I didn't like it. I thought it was kind of lame. I really would have liked it if she just jumped in, tried to eat her face, got her brains blown out. But, as I said, I'll, I'll suspend disbelief on it. So when I was watching that portion of the movie, um, my mentally, I had I had already escaped from the from the movie because there was a lot of points up to that point where i'm like this is just ooh, this is something right here um i did say and this kind of upset my girlfriend who i was watching with i did say there was a cream for that when she was screaming itchy tasty and i was like yeah that's uh i didn't like that either like the fact that she was yelling itchy tasty really kind of bothered me because i'm like that I can't imagine that your mind is so far gone, yet somehow the words itchy and tasty are the only ones in your vocabulary. Like, I, I just, I can't, I can't put my, my suspension of disbelief that far. Like, if it had played out a little bit differently, I think it would have been fantastic. Um, it could have been. Well, well, what, okay, so if you, if you follow the game lore and the, and that diary, the only thing that that person could formulate into words was eventually the words itchy and tasty. Well, so why is it a far fetch for you to jump to saying that's the only words that they could cognitively come up with to say? Because in the games, his mind was so far gone that he was only registering two points that was currently happening to him. The fact that he was itching a lot, the fact that he was then taking the scrapings and then eating them. And they were tasty. So that is why he was just repeating itchy tasty because he would eat, eat tasty. And then he somehow managed to lock himself in a closet. I don't, I don't understand that part. No, if you remember, he was saying tasty because he ate his friend. Well, that too. Um, he did eat that. So his friend, his friend was ugly. So he hit them and he said itchy tasty. So maybe, yeah, maybe those are two thoughts then. Um, Cause I always thought it was, he was scratching himself and then he was eating it, but yeah, he may eat his friend. But those are the two things he's left with because they were they were on there he was they were on his mind at the time itching consistently and then but like in the movie she was standing there just writing you know on the window and then she comes through but she wasn't she didn't have any blood on her mouth she hadn't eaten anyone like the, I, maybe she had a burger that was really good right before she turned like maybe she had pizza maybe there was a Domino's box or 
Or she was saying itchy tasty because she was itchy and she was hungry. Yeah, but she doesn't know if Claire was tasty. She could have tasted like crap. You don't know this. But you don't know that she was referring to Claire as being tasty. The only two words she could fathom. So see, that's where I, like, I'm looking at it as like, if somebody was descending into, let's just say, madness or into into something, into the zombiehood, eventually all your major functions are going to drop. And like reading, writing, speaking are like major functions that you have. And as you slowly start to lose all of those things, only being able to do certain portions of them. Like, for instance, all I can formulate in my brain now are two concepts. I'm itchy and I'm hungry. That's actually my next point was going to be where like if, if in fact she was saying itchy tasty – would it technically be like itchy hungry because she's hungry and she wants to eat Claire? Like true, it should have been itchy. True. Like if, if they did itchy hungry, I would have been like, that's a cool, that's a cool play. Like it definitely harks back to the game, but they kind of put their own twist on it and it goes through the window. I just like, I think they could have done a lot of different things in the movie again. Like there's small mm. things that kind of irked me and that kind of takes me out yeah. of it. And that's not going to be the same thing for everybody. Some people are going to be like, I'll let that go. Yeah. I don't, I'm like, I said, a really harsh critic on things. Um, but I think I would be willing to give the sequel a try. Potentially, I would definitely see the trailer first, and that would be like a make or break situation for me. Like if I saw anybody yeah. doing something like juggling guns, for example, like if I saw, you know, Barry, Claire, Leon juggling guns, I'd be like, nah, I'm out. Or if I saw Leon wearing that that uh that leather jacket. That like aviation jacket. Oh, I'd be like, I'd be like, I'm, yeah. I, I cannot. He's like, it's been one movie, and now I'm a badass. Couldn't, yeah. couldn't do it. I, I would like, uh, unless they somehow plotted that out of like, it's been ten years. We're all older, you know. We all have toot flutes and communicate that way. Something like that. Um, it would be like that's why I didn't like what they did with Leon's character in the games because like granted okay they said hey seven years has happened okay seven years has happened great but all of a sudden it goes from seven years he's been highly trained he's going out here and all of a sudden he's he went from I'm a complete nutter like and that's the thing that bugged me is that he was never really a rookie he never acted like a rookie. I will say the other the uh, the biggest thing that bothered me about the movie was the fact that Rat that Raccoon City was completely owned by Umbrella, oh, and I was yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. mad by that. They're like they're like Umbrella has built this wonderful town, and now it's become a ghost town for one reason or another because Umbrella's closing down. Like Umbrella's closing the hospital, which immediately completely negates the local economy, and um. In the games, it was Raccoon City was there. It was just the medical facility was built by Umbrella, and it was graciously donated by Umbrella. And it was like they made yeah. it seem like Umbrella was the what's the big employer of the area. You know, kind of like when you have a city where like the hospital is the big employer, the lab, the 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 manufacturing place here is the big employer. That's what they kind of made me feel in the in the game. They did the same thing in the Netflix series too. Like they literally move into a town which net, which Umbrella has built from the ground up and yeah. then they have like a yeah, bunch yeah, yeah. of hubs that are owned by umbrella i'm like can we just agree that umbrella isn't this trillion dollar company that basically buys towns and then just has them nuke on a win like they literally will build facilities yeah. umbrella was a, a, a facility that 
you know, uh, sorry, not Umbrella was a facility. They had built the hospital in Raccoon City because they wanted an underground facility uh, facility that was updated that was going to uh, basically make the Arclay Mountains obsolete and they were going to shut that one down. But those were still going to be the hubs to release whatever they had after they had perfected it. Because Umbrella's always been the company that was like, hey, we're going to become, you know, we're going to make weapons of mass destruction based upon X, Y, and B. But also, we're going to go ahead and make something that's going to allow us to control masses, basically become, you know, gods among men, and that's going to be the wonderful thing that we're going to do. And I'm like, this is this is kind of weird and twisted. Like, they're just accepting all these government contracts, but they're also kind of like on the side trying to be make themselves super powerful, which is, you know, you have Albert Wesker created the Wesker virus. You had Veronica created the code Veronica virus. You had, you know, uh, oh my God, I can't remember. I forgot his name, but William Burke, sorry, William Burke, and I blipped on that, created the G virus and he ingested a unmutated form of it. So he had like the purest form of the G virus, whereas, you know, going going through everything else, the, the rats ate the G virus and then mutated it. So that's why everyone else didn't become the thing that William Birkin was becoming. And all these individuals that had basically become superhumans had perfected their version of the virus, which is ultimately what Umbrella wanted to do, not for, you know, distribution for the masses, but for themselves. Uh, I think it was the... Mm. I can't remember what game it was. Um Albert, I think it was maybe five, was it five or was it six, where Albert Wesker kills the head of Umbrella at one point in time. And he basically says, like, I have become death, and he basically just kills the dude. He's like, I've already perfected it. And Albert Wesker had perfected his version of the T-virus, but it was actually not. So he had to keep taking the injections to kind of, like, balance it out, otherwise it would cause massive mutations. And that's why he hated going against Veronica's, because Veronica had fire powers apparently so when she threw fire at him he's like oh no i'm out of here because the fire damage would cause the cells to deteriorate quickly which then causing them to replicate and eventually go out of control and i think in the resident evil 6 you fight wesker and you punch a boulder which is stupid but because the amount of damage he took in that fight he becomes you know pizza monster kind of deal again they just mutate out of control Mm. but i i really want like I want them to make another movie like this or another series that kind of really highlights what they have done, the accomplishments of individuals who have taken place within the games themselves and be like, Hey, this is really cool. You have so many variations of the virus, but none of them are really, you know, viable. They're all, they all have their plus and minuses. I don't know. Yeah. I I, I could, I, I would, I'm I really enjoy Resident Evil the games minus four through like six, but I really enjoy them. But I I think I enjoy the lore more of them because I was always it always always made me scratch my head of like, well that wouldn't happen. That like I've seen like we've just we've seen a pandemic hit the world, so we kind of see how people react. On both small and large scales, and that didn't happen. Like the shit that they go that they they try to explain in games, just it didn't happen that way. So, I, I guess I'm I'm a little more open for a retelling of the stories. I guess it's kind of like with Silent Hill, like the first Silent Hill movie. Actually, I'll I'll give you all the Silent Hill movies. I have a really like. 
Silent Hill is that game for me where I played that game and it terrified the hell out of me. Like to the point of I would hear a door open downstairs in the on the Salem house and I'd be upstairs and I'd go, nope, not going down to check that. I would like blockade my door and I'm just like, nope, staying right here until morning until I can see the light. And I can see that there isn't any ash monster about to rip my face off. See, I remember uh, when we were driving back from your place, you dropped me back off at home. We went right through that town. We started going over that hill and it went from completely clear to foggy. And then the radio kept cutting out. And they were like looking at each other and we're like, uh-huh. nah, 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 nah. And we started talking about like the what ifs would happen. And I was, I made that, that quote. <laughs> they're like, they're like, oh, no. Oh yeah. Oh, I remember that. I remember that quote to this day. <laughs> you think I'm gonna be that guy running around a zom- running around a mansion, getting my ass chewed off by a zombie? Hell no. I'm gonna jump out of this car, smoke a road sign, end this shit quick. <laughs> yeah, dude. And and the way you delivered that <laughs> that night was just like, no, no, hell no, no. Think I'm gonna be that guy running around a mansion, get my ass chewed on by zombies? Mm. Nope. I'm gonna jump out this car, smoke a road sign. And that shit quick. I almost crashed the car fucking drive. And it also, like, like, like would have been laughing. the best alternative, honestly, to run that shit. Because the minute, like, if we crashed that hill and that radio was doing that whole, like, you know, static shit from, like, the ring or bullshit like that, and there was somebody laying in the road, car off to the side, I'd be like, just, yeah, just, yeah, oh, just run boom, him boom, over. Boom, like, boom, I, I was going to go right over. like, oh, my daughter. No, nope. just run him over. And, and, and it, let's just not do this. Was, it. Well, <laughs> was that your kid? Sorry. <laughs> like, no, that was, uh, that was like, there were so many instances of that when we were growing up, like when that happened, uh, like weird things would just kind of occur and we'd be like, Oh my God, it's the end of the world. And we had a great time. It was such a great time. Oh yeah. But like, you don't, it, the games in, uh, aside, like the movies, I, I'd be okay with the retelling as well. I just, I want them to do like, they just have to hit the fine points like you can't like rewrite Star Wars, for example, and like take out Luke Skywalker, or you can't rewrite something. I mean, like, oh, no, I disagree. Do, like, I think, I think, it, I think the problem they ran into in the in the Legends of that one is that they made him too powerful. And you know, I think if they just kept him as a character and they kept him kind of like semi on the more powerful side, but just kind of made him more re- more relatable, it would have been a lot better. Um, and then definitely get away from him if they want a continuation. Uh, but in terms of like Raccoon City, like you can't you can't take out Leon Kennedy. You can't take you you'd alienate the entire fan base. Like yeah, you can't. No, It'd be like no, uh, the can't. movies that they made for um, for Silent Hill that you're talking about. I really like the first one they did. I think they did a really good job of that one. I think that was probably the best adaptation for a Silent Hill movie you're going to get. Period. Oh, but it was completely different than the first game. Like so different. But I liked where they went with it. That was retelling, and I'm like, they hit the they hit a lot of the of the finer points. Like they got they got how it happened, or like how they ended up there. They got the um, the general atmosphere. They got that uh, the creepiness of how like the the nurses moved in that in that movie. Like they they took so many of the fine details that made Silent mm. Hill really creepy. Um, I'm glad they didn't go with the babies. Like that would have been a little much. Uh, that little, would have been a little disturbing. Yeah, a little bit, a little disturbing. A little baby. I think the little baby gremlin things. But like they had so many of the the good points. Like the pyramid head was great. They did a great job with pyramid head. Uh, the dude in the bathroom. Well, well, that's the best part. Is that like pyramid head was not in the first game. Like never was in the first game. They, they took so many things from Silent Hill as a whole and compressed them down into that movie. And it was like, 
I liked that. I, I, I was okay. And like, even the, even the main character, the main character in the first game was not female. It was a male. And it was, they were driving to Silent Hill. They saw somebody run across the road. They jerk the wheel. They crash. He wakes up and goes, holy crap, I need help. And then Sybil's right there being like, dude, you need help. To be fair, um, had they, had they, to be fair, if they cast and they had cast Sean Bean as the, as the husband, if he was the lead role, everyone would have known he would have died. Like when the like he was not getting out of that shit alive. If it was Sean Bean, no way. But that's, but that's the thing. That's what I loved about even, even the second movie where they went back and basically made the third Silent Hill game. Like they took the second and third Silent. It was really weird how they did it. So like the first movie, was like the second, the first and second movie kind of like crammed into a movie. And then the second movie was like the third, sorry, game, first and second game crammed into. And then the second movie was like everything else from the second game and the third game crammed into one and made into a movie. You know what movie I want to see made off of a video game franchise? Fatal Frame. Splatterhouse. Fatal Frame. Fuck you. No, 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 no. Yeah, absolutely. Nope. Want to see that nope. happen? It needs nope. to happen. Nope. Uh, nope. If if nope. Netflix, if you're listening, Hulu, make it happen. Fatal Frame. Um, no. That don't do, do it. it. It's going to be absolutely terrifying. And then you know what you could even do? You can make an app on on the phones for Fatal Frame too, where you take pictures and just kind of adds weird, scary things in it as well. You know, just to fuck with people. Oh, dude. Like, Every- you have it actually matched up so that you take a picture of the movie as you're playing it, and it shows, like, a ghost in the back. Oh, no, yeah. no, yeah. And, no. And and if you gave it permission to access your camera, like, every third or fourth picture on randomized, it just has, like, a ghost hanging in the background just to freak you the hell out, too. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 Mr. Shinzo. No fatal frame. No, you no, can't no, see no, so. no, no, no fatal frame for you. No, no, no. No, no, Mr. Shinzo, no. Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, now that we've gone through all of that, uh, what are you drinking? Or what were you drinking? <laughs> uh, well, I have more of it. Um, what I have been drinking is I just made like a ton of bee's knees, uh, which is a prohibition cocktail that has lemon juice, gin, and honey syrup in it. And I made a lot of it because I assumed that we would be recording early. I was like, I'll record early, get nice and, get nice and toasted, and... It, drinking late so i'm like well i might as well just finish all of it all now so after we're done with the podcast i'm going to pour myself the rest of it which is like another full one of these mason jars full of it nice nice but i think uh i think you know what we should do is uh, one of these times we basically talk about some of the old horror games we want to see made into either a series or a movie because i think like there are definitely some old ip horror games that can definitely be made into easily made into a really decent horror movie like yeah, Alien Isolation, for example, would be would be a great would be a great like mini series or like a, a nice short that somebody could do. Alien Isolation was good. Um, Evil Within. I don't know about Evil Within. Like, I really think that the, the the reason that that game is so good is because you're, it's like Outlast. Because that game, the game's so good, is because it's the immersion. And I think the one thing that you lose when you go to a movie is you lose a little bit of that immersion level. And like Outlast, Evil Within, I think it really – personally, I think those games really require a level of immersion to really make you feel like like this is happening to you. 
I feel like they could do it. I feel like they could do it. And I feel like it'd be very plausible. Um, they could do, you know what they could do is they could make a, a movie of Alan Wake and then they just pay everyone for every chapter that comes after that. So basically you sell the first ticket for $14, $7 for every additional chapter afterwards. So in order to finish the movie series. <laughs> so we're basically making DLC. Did you, did you actually like, I, when I got that game, I pre-ordered it. And it came with like the first, the next two chapters for free, but then there was like a total like seven chapters. So if you went and bought the game off the shelf and then you bought all the DLC, it was like a hundred and some odd dollars to actually play the game all the way through. And I'm just like, after like the DLC happened where it got like, you killed things with a flashlight, I'm like, pass. I'm a pass. Like up to that point though, it was a great game. And then it just kind of was like, we don't know what to do to how we're going to stretch this as thin as possible flashlights now kill ghosts and you're like okay all right <laughs> yeah i i actually never i didn't play alan wake i uh well that's a lie i played about 20 minutes of alan wake and much later on in life not when it came out um so i never i never did get around to you it no dead space i should that would make a, that would oh. make a good movie uh they should redo doom <laughs> No, you know, actually, Doom movie. Okay, so that was good. I liked the Doom movie. I did not like the Doom movie. Which one? Which one? The, with, with, the with one Dwayne with Dwayne Johnson? John, yeah, the one with the Rock and that shit. Did you see? Did you see Doom Annihilation? No. Uh, was that a movie or was that like a okay. cart? Okay, it was a movie. It was a movie. So okay, again, I want to preface. I love bad movies. Doom Annihilation was awesome. Like it didn't have Dwayne Johnson in it. I felt that they explained much better. Like the whole demonic doom thing. They actually go into hell. It was actually, I enjoyed the movie for simply enjoying the movie. But then again, you got to keep in mind, there wasn't really a lot of story to the original doom that they're basing it off of. There wasn't a lot there. You're just a Marine who's running around shooting people. I in mean, the face. yeah, but they made hardcore Henry uh, doom annihilation. Hardcore it was fun. was fun. That movie was fun. I mean, but like, I'm saying, like, you don't need to have an immersive storyline, really, to basically have a game that's terrible. Like, I'm sorry, a movie that's terrifying. It can basically just be what it is, you know. But like, yeah, but but most people need a story when it comes to a movie. Like, they need a narrative, and they need a plausible. Somebody needs to tell Netflix that because they're not like, paying they attention. <laughs> well, and that's a, that's a thing. Like, they'll they'll throw anything at the wall and see what spaghetti sticks. But like Doom Annihilation, I thought was fun. But it's a turn. Like there's a lot of game or a lot of movies out there that are turn your brain off fun. Like like if you think about it too hard, you're gonna realize that this is a really terrible movie and you should never watch it again. Like House on Haunted Hill. That movie, I love the. It was a 1999 remake. I love the original 56 price. Yeah, I I love that. But both of those movies are. You have to turn your brain off and not think really hard oh, about this. Oh, absolutely agree with you on that one. And the, the remake, the remake is a billion times better if you've seen the original because you're expecting the original movie. And then they do the remake and they throw you some curveballs and you're like, wait a second. This is actually interesting now. Um, okay. So, so you mentioned one, Dead Space. I think they could do it. However, I want to fall back on that immersion thing. The one thing about Dead Space that always made it that that really got that terror going is when you would walk by a necromorph that you've killed or you believe you've killed and you walk by it and all of a sudden it jumps up out at you, but they don't do it all the time. And the thing is that 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 immersion of when you're in the game of, okay, 
if I walk by this thing, is it going to jump out at me? I'm going to start stomping. Like I'm, I'm five feet away from this thing and I'm going to start stomping my boots until I get close enough that I see body parts flying because I don't want this thing killing me and I don't have the ammo. And that's the thing that they really, they still have not like, that's one of the things I liked about this Resident Evil movie. Resident Evil is a survival horror. Dead Space is a survival horror. Silent Hill survival horror. Big component of them is survival. So they always give you limited something, limited resources, limited something. And it's really hard to convey that in a movie properly so that you actually feel like, oh, my God, these these guys are really lacking. Like The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. That movie was a great Great version of survival because you're isolated. You're out in the middle of nowhere. That's how you really get that, that survival portion is to make them feel isolated. So in dead space, I think that they could do it, but they would have to, they would have to nail that survival. And I think they could aspect. really easily though on that and one. I think they could. I think, I think they will. I don't think they could do it easily though. And the reason why is that because Dead Space takes place, i.e. space. So, yes, it's easy to get you to feel that isolation and claustrophobia in space. But a majority of people don't have a – they don't have an analog that they can give to what it's like being in space. So, like with John Carpenter's thing, most people have spent – or have been outside during winter. So, most people can co- have the comprehension of it's cold – I need to stay protected. But they don't have an analog for space in the same way. So it's it's a lot harder to get that survival. Well, like, I think they could there. set it up. Uh, I think it'd be pretty I don't maybe it wouldn't be as easy as I'm thinking, but I'm I'm they've done things similar to other horror movies that have taken place and like, you know, Event Horizon, for example, did a good job of making you feel sort of isolated from very things. And it was like one of those you know, you had a ship and suddenly the ship is gone mm-hmm. sort of situation. So like maybe they could do something like that. We've all we've all had an instance in our life where we were with people and then maybe we kind of got separated from them at one point in time. So we can somehow identify with that aspect or the, the concept of just being in space in general, like being in a giant vacuum and not having – like we all think about it, you know, plan to Mars kind of deal. We all could – Put, put ourselves in that situation and say, like, what would it be like to be on a vessel that used to be populated by, you know, thousands of people and now really no one's there? Like, I've been in a mall before where I've gone to a mall that's, you know, most malls are on their way out. Back when I was a kid in the 90s, they were a bustling hub of socialism, you know, social, socializing and like that. So I could walk into a mall today and it's mostly empty. In my back of my mind, I'm like, zombie apocalypse is happening. Like, everyone's gone. So I don't think it's too far-fetched to be able to set that up, that sort of isolation feeling. And I know part of its immersion to to get that terrifying level of dead space that it does produce Mm. in the game. At the same time, though, I think pulling people into a movie is kind of just what movies tend to do if they're well-written. And I think that will just take care of that immersion. Like I don't foresee him stomping on corpses to, to separate limbs, but they can leave that sort of section out. Like that can be kind of like left out in, in the favor of other things. As I said, I think that they can do it. I just think it'll be, I think it'll be tough to nail it in the dead space narrative. I'm interested. I would love to see it happen. With the new Dead Space game coming out, if it does well, 
Maybe that's something we'll see coming down the uh, pipe. We'll see Isaac Clark, or maybe we'll see, maybe we'll see something different. Like I, I liked what they did with Dead Space, and then they released the animated movies for Dead Space because they weren't, but they weren't telling Dead Space like they weren't telling the Isaac Clark story. They were telling the stories around the Isaac Clark story, which I liked. I really dug. Um, it's the same way, like, I dug the, what was the, what was the on-rail shooter for Resident Evil? Umbrella, Umbrella Chronicles. That was it. The Umbrella Chronicles. Was that it? I think that was it. And they also made another one, I think it was, that like, was Resident Evil. E, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think it was they the made another one. Chronicles. Which was, like, Resident Evil Outbreak, where you Something played as like survivors that were... Like happening in the Resident Evil in Raccoon City, but they weren't like they weren't the main survivors. They were just other people. They were just yeah. That was such a good game, but it was unfortunately hampered by the fact that it really required its player base to be active. The minute people stopped playing the game, it was impossible to beat. So like I'd play the game, really enjoy it when I had a good squad, but the minute like you know minute person A quit it really kind of just immediately hampered it. I think if they had just tweaked yeah. the game a little bit more to basically be like, all right, now you only have three people, two people, one person, it basically just dumbed down what you had to do, like maybe made the enemies a little bit weaker kind of deal, like just mm. give you a fighting chance. Instead, they're like, you're going to die is really what it comes down to. Like someone quits, they turn into a zombie too, so you're going to die. Yeah, uh, they, didn't le- they didn't do uh, level, they didn't do scaling when people were there and people weren't yeah. very well. And the AI was terrible too. So, like when you joined mm. a game, the AI would basically be running into walls. But I think is as long as uh, they made it enough money on the first Dead Space, the minute that second Dead Space came in and they had the the needle scene, that's it. Yeah, that needle scene in in would be oh. absolutely horrific and so oh. good. Oh man, yeah that that was a great scene out of out of Dead Space too. And honestly, like Dead Space 3 wasn't a terrible game. I enjoyed it. I, I think the one thing that they nailed in Dead Space 3 was the multi, the, uh, the co-op, the two-player. The- oh, yeah, I loved it. I loved streaming it with you. It was it was fantastic how, uh, you know, we I think we streamed that for like, what, three weeks? And, uh, yeah, it was a little bit. Yeah, it was like over three weeks uh, we streamed it. And, you know, there were, there were occasions where, like, I would hear children crying or children laughing. And I'm just like, that's really yes. weird. And you're like, what do you mean? What are you hearing? And I'm like, I'm hearing children crying and laughing. And you're like, well, I just hear elevator music. And I'm like, you're shitting me. Like, you can't you can't hear this what's happening right now. And then like you walked off the elevator and like everything flashed to blood. And I'm just like, I see flowers, dude. Like, what are you on? Like you just immediately assumed your partner was high on something. Well, and that, and because I had played the game before in that multiplayer uh, portion, I knew to pay, like that was one of the things I told you when we went into that. I was like, you've got to pay attention to this because I remember playing it with my brother and we didn't like when we first played that game, we did not know that it was going to do that to us. So we were going through and we weren't like, we would say things, but we would ignore them. Like it would just be like one of those, oh, oh, that's weird. But we weren't like, we were so invested in what was happening to us. We didn't care what was happening to the other person. And then all of a sudden when we realized and it was, it was the time where uh, the toy soldiers, remember that where the barrels were all toy soldiers where, well, I saw toy soldiers, you saw barrels 
And then there's like a birthday cake and you're like, I'm not seeing any of this. I'm like, dude, I am telling you, this is exactly what's here. I know you don't see it, but that's what I'm seeing. And you're like, okay, we'll go down this elevator because you're telling me to, but I'm not seeing any of this stuff. Yeah, and I think they need more games like that, too. They definitely need more multiplayer horror games where they introduce you to certain things that are a bit out there at the same time, like, that have different things occurring on different people's screens. Because, you know, back, back in the day when we play on, like, you know, Super Nintendo and Nintendo 64, PlayStation 2, those sort of things weren't really that possible. But now, with today's technology, very possible. And it's very plausible to have games that have almost entirely different scenarios with two people playing it. And that and that only adds a level of, depending on what you're like, if it's survival horror, you can add horror to it. If it's like a, a mystery game or something, those lines, it could definitely add like a layer of mistrust between you, specifically if you had like a choose your own adventure type game and you ha- your, your life along with your partner's life depends upon either your cooperation or your struggle between each other those sort of things playing on different screens could really lend to the storyline and the immersion experience. Hmm. Well, that's, I mean, games, games have capitalized on that since, you know, they've got the, the suspicion games like among us, uh, not to mention, you know, just, and there are several others out there. I just can't remember any of them off the top of my head among us. Well, I mean like more like along the lines of where you, where you, well, play, you, on you play on them, but I'm talking about like games where you're both seeing something and something occurs that you might see that the other person doesn't adding a little bit more suspense mm. in the game. Not like Among Us where like you have to you know someone's the alien. This is kind of one of those situations where you're playing the game and like you might see on the screen, you know, your partner suddenly holding a bloody knife where on their screen is they're just holding a bottle of booze kind of oh, deal. Yeah, like you get like cool. small little hints like that that there's something bigger going on, but you're not sure if it's like you or paranoia. Like I, I think a really cool concept would be uh, Call of Cthulhu, right? Where like you have those visions where suddenly a room is normal, then there's like guts and stuff all over the room or there's a tentacle over something like that. Like if one player in the game had those freakouts and you have the choice of divulging the information or not divulging the information to your partner and that could be you know a consequence later on where if uh, you didn't have the ability to like you and I have the ability to talk to each other well what if the game allowed you to talk to each other via like a scroll text where you're given certain objects where you basically tell your partner this happened and you don't tell your partner this happened and that sort of affected the overall outcome of the game like hey if you didn't tell them that it turned out you should have or you didn't tell them that or you did tell them that it turned out that hey it turns out that you are in fact you know a witch or something along those lines like i think there's a really interesting way it could play out i'm kind of bad at explaining this sort of thing but i think that no, no, i'm done right it, it could definitely add like a lot to a game and the replayability of it as well for an extent like after you know you play through all the scenarios the replayability plays down but initially like playing through it a few times will be quite the fun experience yeah, I could I could definitely see how that would work out. I could I I could I would enjoy that too. Well, I say I think we've uh, I think we're starting to go on to some crazy ass topics. So I think uh, I think we should wrap up on that. I agree with so, you. So Shinzu, where can people find you at? Uh, at the moment, people can find me uh, right here on the GNA podcast. I will say that starting Wednesday, I'm going to be streaming some games via Twitch. If it goes well, I will continue doing it. Uh, I'm going to start off my very first game, uh, first three games, uh, to kind of like just test and kind of tweak things, are going to be some of the worst reviewed games on Steam history. 
Uh, so it's going to be Bunker 58, Prelude, and Kitchen Simulator are going to be the first three games I stream. So that'll take about, you know, probably stream one game for two weeks because they're pretty short. They, I think they were alpha stage games, you know, pre-release games that were sold. But at the moment here, next week, maybe next Sunday, after my first official stream, I'll have uh, the address I can give out. And you guys can join. All right, on. And I'm Cecil Xavier, your host. You can find me on Cecil versus Games on Twitter. Cecil Xavier everywhere else, sometimes with an underscore, sometimes without an underscore. Um... Hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Reviews help people find the show. So if you enjoy listening to us, let other people know. You can find us on Google Play Music or Google Play Podcast, iTunes, Player FM, Spreaker, MyTuner, Your Listen, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and a whole bunch of other places. If we're not there, let us know. We'll upload there. Partner to, uh, you can also find all of our all of our episodes on our website at www.gnapodcast.com. You can also find links to our Discord chat there, as well as articles, which just links over to Microbrew Gamers. So check him out. We're partnered with Humble Bundle. Humble Bundle is a game purchasing service with a twist. It allows you to buy games and donate to charity simultaneously. So go check them out. Put the question mark partner equals GNA podcast at the end of your link. That lets people know that we sent you. If you find a slider, put it all the way down to zero for GNA podcast. We don't want your money. We just want to know that you went there. So that's the cool part. Um, we actually, so if you're listening to this, so next week's show, there may or may not be, I'm going to be traveling uh, so I may not actually have a show to publish. If I do, cool. Um, if I don't, sorry, we're taking a week off. Um, but we'll figure it out. So we might do an impromptu show because I'm going to be up actually in the neck of the woods of Shinzu, D, Zyber, and all of them. So And Gravemind because he lives up there now too. So we might we might sit down and maybe try to knock out an episode and then just give you a raw, a raw episode out there. See what it does. But don't know. Anyways, Shinzu, thank you for joining me tonight, man. Thank you for reminding me tonight. Not, to, not just joining me, thank you for reminding me. Thank you for having me, and thank me for allowing me to allow you to remind you that there's a show tonight. Love it. But yeah, now I gotta go back and watch Resident Evil Do Welcome it. to Raccoon City again, because I want to I want to pay attention to the little details, because I know it's a bad movie. Go through it, watch wanna, the finer details, and then and then get back to me and whether or not it has either increased or decreased your your like view of the movie. I'm gonna have to do that, but I gotta say, I really like that that dude from the Umbrella Academy was in it. I really liked that guy. Would have been better if the if the cast was filled with the Police Academy. <laughs> No, I would have watched that in a frigging heartbeat. <laughs> Dude, the, you got Jonesy as frigging Barry or something like that, or Wesker. Yeah. <laughs> what a fantastic. But yes, have a great night, and thank you for having me again. Have a good night, man. <laughs>